enjoying a nice, quiet, relaxed recording this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sam Kelly. Uh, I'm joined this week as I just fiddle around a little bit with the levels. That should be a bit better. I'm joined this week uh, by just the one faithful hopper. It is Andres Bruckner. Hey, hello. How are you? Hi. Sorry, sorry. I, will, I was going to ask you something off rec- the record, but I have to ask you now. Do you have, on the record. Do you have an umbrella? I do. Okay, thank you. Why, is it raining tonight? Not today, but... Just in case you you decide to go to go to to, to any stadium and, and to Labo Monero or to to yeah. Sarandi, uh, the reason that Andres asks this is that over the weekend uh, it rained in Buenos Aires. It does do it sometimes, believe it or not. My friends back in England are all convinced that I live in some wonderful subtropical paradise. Never any rain. It's always sunny every day and, and nice and warm. Uh, it is warm more often than not. It's never particularly cold here, at least by northern European standards. Uh, those of us uh, I was going to say peninsula what's the word I'm looking for group of islands archipelago that's the one um, that I hail from Um, and on Sunday I apologise if you can hear what sounds like a crop cutter in the background I've left the window open that's why I'll close it in a minute on Sunday um, or rather on Saturday night it began to rain in Buenos Aires sometimes it rains very heavily it didn't rain particularly heavily um, by by normal storm standards but what it was was persistent and it meant that by the time the Clásico del Sur on Sunday afternoon kicked off at 15.15 between Lanús and Banfield um, the city was already dripping wet all over really well the cities because of course Lanús playing in Lanús not in Buenos Aires um, part of greater Buenos Aires in the south um, and by the time Boca Juniors versus the Racing Club kicked off which was at 18.15 was it? Quarter past six in the evening? I apologise for being the 24 hour clock by the way, I'm aware it sounds a bit weird in English but it's a habit that I've got into whilst I've been living here um, by the time that kicked off the pitch was already unplayable essentially um, but the referee Federico Belligoy is a very brave man and decided that the game was going to go ahead anyway um, he called it off after 57 minutes because it just got farcical and, and clearly quite dangerous as a result of which uh, Arsenal de Sarandi versus River Plate sorry not as a result of which because it was a separate pitch inspection but that game quite sensibly didn't end up kicking off at all at uh, 9.30 on the Sunday which is when it was scheduled for both of those matches are going to be replayed or rather played for the first time in the case of River and completed in the case of Boca versus Racing um, just the final 33 minutes plus stoppage time of that match will be played um, on the 25th which is a week on Thursday I think isn't it is that right yes next yes. Thursday um, so we've only got eight full matches to talk about but first of all I think you're quite right Andres, to, to bring up the weather first this is a, a British run podcast after all um it would be a shame if we didn't talk about the rain, or at least the way that it affected it. Why on earth did Belly Goy think that 
he was ever going to get away with well, playing Boca Racing. The, the, the question I, I, I have to do is to ask is, was Lanús pitch quite uh, in three hours of difference? Because, uh, as you said, uh, Lanús uh, against Banfield game was at, at 3 p.m. and Boca against Racing was at 6 p.m. There was only three hours difference between one game and, and, and the other one. Was Lanús pitch brilliant and Boca awful? Or, or between three and six, rain was just unstoppable, just impossible to drain, and and, and, and water in Boca in Bombonera Stadium was uh, was so much that it was impossible. It was impossible to play. I think it was a even though Beligoy tried to make it play, perhaps because there there, there aren't uh, the calendar is not free of dates enough, and and, and they want to make it to do it play anyway. In, the, in that case, it was clear that the, 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 the grass was uh, flooded, fully flooded, and, and, and was uh, not. Uh, 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 it was not possible to play there. And I, I think it was a combination of factors. First of all, um, it, it did obviously kick off three hours later, and, and the rain seemed to almost sort of re-intensify um, in between the matches. It, it, it seemed to lift a bit in the early afternoon. By the time Mocco kicked off, it had started raining hev more heavily again. And of course, we are currently, we're sitting in my living room. La Bombonera is about, at a rough estimate, 15 or 20 blocks, probably a couple of kilometres uh, directly south of where I live, almost exactly south. Um, so I, you know, sitting in my living room all afternoon, uh, looking up at my glass ceiling that's above us, um, was able to get a fairly good take on, on the state of the, the rain. Um, and it did intensify, so it might partly be that, but also, of course, La Bombonera is much, much, much closer to the Riachuelo, the river, and also to the estuary, the Rio de la Plata, um, and is, is quite low-lying. And also, the other point is that, quite clearly, Boca's board were lying when they said they'd had the pitch drainage system redone last year, uh, because it didn't look like it had been redone. So, combination of factors there. Uh, I did wonder, as well, whether Beligoy was eager to get the match underway, because he'd been possibly leaned on by higher powers... Um, this is one of the things that it's impossible not to suspect at times when you have Argentina's state-run um, football televisation uh, programme uh, during which at half-time and at full-time of matches, obviously the, the government and, and other interested parties, but mostly the government, um, are putting out lots of adverts and things. I, I just sort of wonder whether football peritodos were wanting to make sure that at least one of River and Boca actually got played, because of course those are the two teams that, that draw the yeah, big It could audience. be that the, 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 the TV, public TV, which is the channel that uh, uh, broadcast, broadcast the matches, uh, that didn't have anything to put into on air. So that's why perhaps they made uh, Beligoy uh, just uh, make the play, the game be played. And, and there is another another thing that has to do with the. We, we do realise, by the way, that that last yeah. bit sounded enormously conspiratorial. Um, I'm not really that mental, but at the same time, it does sort of come to mind. And, Carry on, sorry. And there is another another thing that perhaps the the Boca uh, habitants or the people that live in the, the the neighbourhood of La Boca, uh, which is that uh, it has to do with the level of of and the, and the way the water. Uh, goes uh, and, and 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 well, Boca, the Boca neighborhood is a neighborhood that traditionally <coughs> uh, uh, rains, rain, uh, pressure. It's 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 gets uh, the, the uh, makes the that that neighborhood be 
works with water. It flows more than some other neighborhoods, and, and perhaps that has to do with the way that the the, the, the field was uh, flooded. And uh, it, it was, for the first half at least, it was fairly amusing. Uh, there, there were lots of people complaining that it ruined it as a spectacle. I think these people were forgetting that it was Boca Juniors against Racing. Um, how much of a spectacle it would have been on a dry pitch. And talking about, about the works, the works you you uh, mentioned, they will do. They will they will uh, try to put a new grass, and of course they will have to quit the one the one that is right now, and and do a, a, a whole work in order to 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 put new grass, and and they will probably lose three months of of. Uh, the, the matches that will be played between January and April, they will probably lose the... Well, either that or they do it at the very end of this championship in December, so that way they get December, January, and they only really have to miss the first few matches of the next year. If next year's the duration of the works is of three months, if they... If, if they that's, yeah, that's true, they're, they're saying it's three months. Because it could be six months uh, of mm. duration, and well, in that case it will be, of course, a bit worse if... If they qualify to the Copa Libertadores, which, of, apart from that, we don't know. Uh, uh, are they qualified or aren't? We don't finally know, I think. Oh, yeah, we still don't know. You're quite right. I wonder what you were talking about for a second then. But, of course, we're still waiting to hear whether this playoff against Vélez will actually happen or not. Um, moving on, before we come back to the weekend's football, we must mention, of course, at least in passing, uh, Tuesday's news, yesterday's news, we're talking on Wednesday, we record this week, um, that Jonas Gutierrez um, has announced that his uh, period of what I believe some Newcastle fans were at least led to believe was absent without leave um, is actually perhaps a bit more understandable than, than that um, in case you haven't heard he has testicular cancer it was diagnosed in the middle of last year um, and there was all a bit of a, a fuss about uh, how Newcastle have, have dealt with this yesterday when, when he gave this interview to Teixe Sports um, in which, among other things, he, he said that he was surprised and a little bit shocked um, when returning to Newcastle uh, after having had the operation here in Argentina. He wanted to be able to understand the surgeons telling him what, we, what they were doing. Um, so he came back here for the treatment and paid for it himself. Uh, Alan Pardew apparently told him to just find yourself a new club. Um, apparently, uh, our resident Newcastle fan, Peter, cannot make it tonight. Um, but he has sent me a quick email to explain. Apparently, Honas has something written into his contract which guaranteed him a new deal after a certain number of appearances. Um, and so, from that point of view, contractually at least, if they weren't expected to play him, it's maybe understandable, but still, the reaction, uh, the, the way that Newcastle dealt with it doesn't appear to have, have been the best, particularly considering the attitude that Honas uh, uh, seems to display in the, in the interview uh, as it was televised saying that uh, essentially that money didn't really matter to him, that he just wanted to get the best treatment and wants to try and beat this. He's got one week left of chemotherapy, he says. Um, and so, Jonas, if you listen to Underpod, we very much doubt you do, of course. Uh, but if you do, then then we're all thinking of you, I'm sure. Uh, it's it's fair to say. Um, back to the league. I think we can... Actually, let's talk about, just mention this that's going on at the moment, because uh, 40 minutes in to a Copa Argentina match in Racing Club's Stadium, um, San Lorenzo and Defensa Justicia are currently drawing one apiece. Uh, Mount, uh, what's his first name? Cauteruccio Martin, isn't it? It is Martin. I was going to say Martin, and then I thought Matias. 
Martin Cauteruccio has just equalised uh, for San Lorenzo. This is the first competitive match, I was just telling Andres before we started recording, that these two sides have ever played against each other, and Defensi Justicia's second ever match against San Lorenzo is going to be this weekend, because they play in the league as well. Um, that's quite a coincidence. But we have a whole weekend of action, first of all, to look back on. Not a whole weekend. We've just we've already said it's not a whole weekend because we told you about the two uh, postponements. Um, so, here we go. Defensa Justicia, who are playing at the moment in the Copa Argentina, got a very good 3-0 win away to Gimnasia Grimela Plata's reserve team, essentially. Um, Tigre against Central, I think we'll come back to in a second. San Lorenzo got a fairly uniform win, but a win nonetheless, only their second of the season, um, against Godoy Cruz 2-1 at home, that one. Uh, Atletico de Rafaela beat the Estudiantes 1-0. Independiente versus Quilmes is another match that we're going to come back to. Lanús versus Banfield in the Clásico del Sur. 1-0 to Lanús. Silvio Romero scoring the goal two minutes into the second half. It wasn't a classic, was it? I mean, I know it was a classical, yes. but it wasn't a classic for the ages. It wasn't a, one that people are going to be remembering in years to come. What no, do you think? No, it it was a, a oh, as, as we mentioned a, a match with some condiments, which was the, the water in the in the pitch, and and uh, it's a, a very I think uh, even match, not that the uh, number of goal opportunities, and uh, I think that with the number of matches that are played nowadays make make us perhaps forget that that was a, a real classic, uh, at least the classic, the classic of the sur as you mentioned, the, the classic of the uh, south of Great Buenos Aires, and it was a a, a, a very strange goal because Bragueri uh, tried to shoot, make a, a, a shot on goal and. And, and and the ball was uh, uh, finally on the on Lautaro Costa f- uh, feet and and he made made the cross to to Romero who well finally scored the, the definite one nil in favor of, of, of Lanús which a lot of people saying that Banfield plays an attractive uh, football but they are they they don't uh, they aren't trained by by results also they are like playing attractive uh, way of, of, of or, or style of play and and, and uh, offensive style of play but they aren't uh, they, they aren't didn't get the results and well that makes make us I don't think they're even that attractive now the first couple of matches everybody loved Banfield because they went hell for leather they let in three goals in the first match they let in three goals in the second match they lost them both and then they started to tighten up a little bit and they have since let in three goals in the last five games combined, which on the one yeah. hand is an admirable stiffening up of the defence. On the other, they haven't managed to score a goal in their last three games, and they've now, after two consecutive wins, 2-0 against San Lorenzo and 1-0 against Tigre, they have now lost their last three games in a row, or 1-0. Um, and I'm not sure there's that much to admire about that, really. I'm aware, of course, that the first yeah, two matches were entertaining, the... particularly the defence of the match, the 2-3, um, was an entertaining one in the second week. But, I mean, they're not that good. The intention of, of the... mostly Matias Almeida, former Real Plate player and, and also manager or coach, um, in, is that of, of playing offensively with a good ball touch of, of ball and, and trying to to get uh, the goal opportunities and score of course which is not uh, occurring right now but uh, uh, 
the results are the ones that aren't uh, joining Banfield or aren't aren't uh, are, aren't uh, present now. But uh, I, I think that at, at, as it is commonly said, that they perhaps must uh, uh, take one or two victories in a row, and perhaps in that case, that will bring confidence because, of course, confidence is made by the results, not because of they play well and they or they. Uh, uh, the good plays, but but because of the results, of course. In the, I, yes, I, yeah, I agree absolutely. with you in terms of they aren't they aren't scoring, they aren't uh, putting the ball into the net, and that's the that's the what mostly brings confidence. The, the the goals and the results, not the the good looking play, of course. No, absolutely. Um, and Lanús uh, talking of confidence uh, are starting to get some now after. A slightly on and off uh, first few matches. They've now gone three games without defeat. A one-one draw with Olimpo. They beat Racing, of course, the the week before last, and, and Banfield just last weekend. Uh, scrappy one, as we say, against Banfield, but still a confidence boosting win, particularly in the Clásico. Um, Belgrano later on on Sunday they kicked off an hour after Lanús Banfield, and they got a one-nil win against Belis Sarsfield um, in a match that I. Did you watch any of it? I didn't catch most of it because it was on at the same time as um, as Lanús Banfield. No, but there was something which was even more important than the match itself, which is Ricardo Silinski reaching 150 matches in front of Belgrano. I managed to completely miss that milestone. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. I was not aware. Uh, he's been quite good for them, hasn't he? Yes. Since was the... he in charge when they were in the B? He yes, because yeah. they, they, they got their promotion... Against River, with him at the at the bench, so so taking a team from the second division and getting it to the point where they're pretty much regularly hoping to qualify for the Copa Sudamericana yeah. um, is is not bad. Well done, him. Uh, Vélez are on a bit of a slump now. They've only won one game in the last. Sorry, no, they've only won one point in the last three games. Um, a draw against Newell's Old Boys. They've lost to Boca and they lost to Belgrano on either side of that. Uh, but they should be okay in the medium term, shouldn't they? Yes, and of course, they, they, they lost at Turri Flores, Jose Turri Flores, the coach, saying that they are still a, a match, a, a match, a, a team that is trying to find their their structure, not a, a, a solid team, and mm. well, that is what we are seeing. And another good example of that is Newell's Old Boys, of course, um, who are joint second in the league now, a mere point behind River Plate, who of course have a match in hand, having had the Arsenal game postponed. Uh, but who got a well a one nil win over Olimpo? But although they were the dominant side, they needed a late penalty from Ignacio Coco to get it. I think Newell's very similar to Belles, and of course I went to see those two teams play each other um, almost two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, um, and they both look like that. They, they both just look like two sides who were just trying to find their find their feet a bit still, um, and yet they're what second and fourth in the league, I think second and fifth maybe. Um, what does that say for the rest of the league? And what does it say for the rest of the league that River remained top in spite of having, well, having had the match postponed? Uh, at least in appearance, uh, having their match uh, suspended because of rain made, made them win uh, against Independiente, which who are now second with uh, together with Newell's mm. one point behind River to uh, preserve the, the, the leadership. Uh, because they, of course, if they had won against Arsenal, because the match had had been played, uh, of course they would they would be able they would uh, now be able to lose with no problems uh, in terms of the 
of the uh, leadership of the ta in the table. Now they will have to win. And the and news, well, in, in this case was the a good comeback from from Skoko, the one who scored the, the penalty because he was injured and now he came back to the team to the starting eleven and and scored more goals in that uh, match than in the whole season for for Sunderland could be. I don't I know if he. I think it's fair to say. Uh, well, yeah, I he, can't remember. Did he score a goal for for Sunderland? I don't think he did. I might be wrong. So uh, not in the league, he might have got one in the cup. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, indeed. Um, still finding a way. But would you, if you're River, and of course both of us are River sympathisers, do you think River would rather have played on Sunday? And have the win under the belts, or would they? Well, sorry, would they rather have played on Sunday and, and taken the risk on the score, or would they rather have what the situation actually is, which is a match in hand, being a point clear, but not knowing whether they've got those points in the bag already or not? Given how they're playing as well, that's the other. Because mm, no, no. I, I think River would have rather played the other day if obviously the weather hadn't made it essentially unplayable. You I, mean I said that afterwards, Martin Palermo was throwing all sorts of statements about saying that River had deliberately not wanted to, to get the match done but they're in such good form at the moment that you want yes. the momentum to carry through right? But I think that they, they, they would have they would have wanted to play because now it's 10 days since since they have played for the last one the last time and they had the entire week to, to work it's not that they had played like today that they will be playing for Copa Sudamericana against Cody Cruz to to, uh, be, to to see if they can reach uh, one round of 16. Um, I think that they they uh, would like to, to, to play. They would they would like to the match to have been played because uh, now they as, as I said they, they have only one point uh, to protect against Independiente and if they had uh, played. And they had, a, a, of course, won the match. They would be much uh, easy at ease and, and, and could manage the, the, the advantage uh, with, well, very very much comfortably. Mm. We said that we were going to come back to a couple of the matches. The first that I said was the one on Saturday afternoon. I apologise for the good strain going back. Uh, it's just about 50 yards or so away by the sound of it. It's quite nice, though. I like that sonorous yeah. singing to me in the evenings when I sit here watching football in, in the early evenings when there's no one else here. Um, the, the first of the matches that we said we would revisit was at uh, quarter past three on Saturday afternoon, and it was Tigre versus Rosario Central. It was uh, Gustavo Alfaro's Tigre versus Rosario Central, Alfaro's first match in charge after replacing uh, Fabian Alegre. They did all right, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Bearing in mind that under Allegro for the previous year, Tigre have had a lot of difficulty creating chances and scoring. Uh, even when they beat Racing 4-0 a few weeks ago, they did it from five shots. That's a statistic I think we've mentioned every week since it happened, and I'm not going to mention it again now, um, uh, after that one that I just did, because Allegro is gone now. Uh, but the point was that they, they did it for just five shots. Um, they scored four goals again on Saturday. They did it from a hell of a lot more than five shots. That actually looks lively. They that, attacked well. That was created. something I was going to tell, to, to mention. Um, what's so awful that they scored four goals in two matches 
and they there have been playing the, the, the they they scored four goals in two out of six matches. Mm. So well, not so awful. There are, there are teams that can't. No, but still, the Racing game was um was just a bizarre match, and and it was it was an anomaly. As I say, scoring four from five shots suggests that you're going to struggle to to keep that up. Whereas uh, the the other day against Central, they had I think I counted eleven or twelve. Um, when I had a look at the stats afterwards, it's an entirely different looking team. Motivation of, a, of having a, a new coach. I think maybe partly that, but also it was remarkable that Tigre, and we said this a few weeks ago as well, uh, even before Allegri got sacked, I think I remember saying it, that one of the remarkable things with how difficult Tigre seemed to find it to score under Allegri was the fact that Allegri is clearly a, a pretty decent manager, probably slightly too defensive given the phenomenal defensive record that Tigre had, but also that Tigre didn't really score enough goals considering that they have some very talented attacking players. Lucas Wilches, um, Kevin Itabel, uh, a couple of others whose names escape me, um, Carlos Luna, obviously up front. You know, we're not talking about a side who simply doesn't have an attack and for that reason we're struggling to, to create. We're talking about a team with a decent amount of, of, of attacking players who didn't seem to have the movement, didn't seem to have the passes from midfield coming through. They just weren't creating chances. Um, which is why I think the, the shot count against Central, although you can boil everything down to statistics and you can you know, you can make them say anything you want, but I think the shot count against Central was almost more telling than the number of goals they scored, if that makes sense. It's, it's more important that they managed to create 11 chances than that they managed to score four of them. Oh, uh, but I, I must say that Alfaro, I don't know if he's more or less, but he's also defensive. Oh, sure, absolutely. He's... His draw, favorite draw is four four two, and you, of course, if you have a, the best, if you had an enganche and Alfaro is in the team, he will perhaps change that draw into a four two three one, uh, four, uh, sorry, four three one two, or, and and with an enganche there. But his favorite draw is four four two with a very definite four four two draw, which is more likely defensive than. Uh, uh, trying to go and search for the for for a goal, uh, but I think that it, it's it's remarkable how they became motivated because of a new coach, like happened with with uh, Boca against Vélez, that they had a Rodolfo Robarena in the, at the bench for the first time with only two days of, of working. In this case, they, he had the entire week yeah. in order to train the, the and, and, and and try to to tell players his idea of how he wanted them to play. Uh, so, well, uh, I think it has to do also with a new coach and a new possibility for everyone. Oh, sure. And, uh, and I'm not trying to say that Alfaro is, is a wonderfully uh, total football manager who, who's going to have them playing like Barcelona 2006 or something. Um, but you look at the lineup, and the lineup, un- unlike when Boca went from Bianchi to Arroba Tigre's lineup is pretty much the same as it was uh, the, the starting eleven um, prior to Alfaro coming in. They just seem to have a bit more of a system. Um, the, I, I don't think that it was a coincidence that, that they created the number of chances that they created, which is precisely the thing that they were struggling to do before. Generally before, if they managed to create three or four chances, they were going to score a goal. Or maybe if they created yeah. five, they were going to score four goals in, in I, one I think it's, match. It's, it's, it's all a mix between the players you have, and of course the way you you tell them to 
you want to them to play because uh, if you you tell the the, the the right backs and left back the the back uh, uh, defenders the right and, and left backs not full to backs. the full backs not to to pass the the the, the center the, the midfield and 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 the uh, under no circumstances you they, they perhaps won't do it and and with the same players you can tell them to uh, go to attack freely with no 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 problem with the uh, all, all try to to go to with the midfielders and you you can say that to to the players in order uh, anyway independently of the of the of the characteristic of the players and the features of the, of the players of course if you don't have any strikers you won't go and attack if you have you will and and and, and there, there are some details you can tell the players and and they will of course then play and they can be uh, they can obey to the to that orders or, or not they can say no why I, I want to go to attack to the attack and, and go and and, and, and and shot crosses and well, it's I think a mix between the players you have and the the style of of play you want them to 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 develop, of course. Mm, absolutely, we'll we'll see whether Alfaro manages to keep Tigres run going uh, this coming weekend. They've got a f- tricky-ish away trip. Central wasn't good anyway. Central so. were awful. It must be said. Yeah, um, <laughs> it wasn't great. Is is putting it kindly. Um, the other match that we said that we would come back to was on Sunday. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was on Saturday night. What am I talking about? Sunday afternoon. Uh, and it was an eight-goal thriller. And I think if you'd asked us to pick out which which match this weekend, if you'd said to us a week ago, looks like it's going to involve eight goals, um, we'd have definitely gone for Independiente Quilmes, right? Uh, difficult to know where to start with this one. I don't think we'd have said eight goals even at half-time because it was one-all at half-time. Uh, and it was 5-3 to Independiente by the time the referee blew for full time. Uh, two goals from Independiente goalkeeper Diego Rodriguez to put them 2-1 up um, after Brian Sarmiento giving Quilmes the lead in the ninth minute. Uh, there was then the second of those two goals. They were from penalties, by the way, just in case you're wondering how another goalkeeper scores twice. You probably guessed that already, but just in case. Um, shortly after that, Independiente went 3-1 up through Claudio Reano. Um, Quilmes pulled it back to 3-3 with a penalty from Gonzalo Klusener and a goal from Jonathan Zakaria towards the very end with about five minutes to go and then uh, Riano got another and Federico Manquesho completed the scoring in stoppage time it was a pretty awful first half though I remember thinking uh, tweeting at half time um, that the first half had, had really been rather dull to watch and so of course it was inevitable almost that the second half uh Finished the way that it did. Um, it was entertaining stuff, wasn't it? Lots of goals in in short period of time, and and, and they, what made it funny was the the changing score because, uh, uh, as you said, Kilmes started winning, then Independiente with three goals in a row, then Kilmes with the equalizer five minutes to go, and and when it mm. was almost done, Independiente scored in a rush, two more goals. So. Mystic Sam was. Not not a happy bunny um, because I, I predicted the draw. 
I predicted a fairly dull draw, admittedly, but I predicted the well, draw. You were to, to, to exactly when when Sakaria got the uh, got the equaliser. I thought, oh, that's that's it. This is brilliant. I've, I've got a draw. As it was, Mystic Sam did okay anyway. I got five out of eight. No, I didn't. I got five out of nine. Sorry, uh, no, six out of nine. I think because I'm counting the Bok again. Bokka Racing is finished. I don't care what your bookmaker says. I don't care what my employers at Hong Kong say when the extra 33 minutes is played. For Mystic Sam's purposes, uh, Bokka versus Racing was a Bokka Juniors victory. So, of course, we haven't had Arsenal versus River just yet. But it's been a, a successful week to be predicting Argentine football results, uh, even if Independiente unexpectedly score five, which, as we hinted earlier, has taken Independiente joint second in the table. The current Torneo de Transición uh, 2014 reads River Plate top with 16 points from six matches um, Newell's Old Boys and Independiente second and third separated on goal difference they've both got 15 points from seven games Vélez Sarsfield on 13 points Lanús also on 13 points Atlético de Rafaela have 12 and Rosario Central have 10 then you've got a whole load of teams on, on 9 8 and 7 um, it is still We'd have to assume, we've not seen River uh, yet this week, of course. They're playing uh, in an hour and a quarter. They kick off the second leg of their Copa Sudamericana tie. We will hopefully have already finished recording this episode by then. We're not planning on recording for quite that long, particularly as we've been going for half an hour already. Um, So we don't know whether they're going to be able to carry the momentum over, but if they do, it's still looking like River's championship to to lose, right? But they're going to get a big test this coming weekend. Um... And in fact, now that we've talked about last weekend's matches, I think what we're going to do is just play a little bit of music to break things up for you. And we'll come back in a second and look to the weekend that's coming. So don't go away. got a couple of interesting looking clashes it's going to be the the eighth round isn't it yes of course it is i've got the league table in front of me and they've all played seven apart from a couple um we have a couple of interesting clashes as we say first of all gustavo alfaro's tigre uh, have a, a tricky trip right across the country to mendoza where they take on godoy cruz um we have the second ever clash between defensa justicia and san lorenzo the first ever clash between those clubs is currently taking place. The second half kicked off two minutes ago, and that's still one apiece. Um, Rassing host Newell's Old Boys. That could get rather nasty, although given Newell's away uh, form, it, it could be uh, fairly close as well. We have a classical that everybody is frankly getting sick of watching. <laughs> Are you not already? The La Plata derby um, is coming uh, up on Saturday, and this is a chance to look towards the weekend... Um, whilst also looking back on stuff that's happened since we last recorded, because another of these Copa Sudamericana ties, we've already mentioned that River versus Godoy Cruz kicks off in just over an hour. We've got Boca versus Rosario Central on Thursday night, by which time this podcast should be online. So if you want to watch 9.15 Buenos Aires time, that's uh, quarter past eight if you're on the eastern seaboard of the United States, and it's about quarter past one in the morning if you're in the UK. Um, and uh, on Tuesday evening... We had the second La Plata Clásico in the space of two weeks. The first one having been 
just under two weeks previously at two o'clock in the afternoon for some reason. First time I've ever seen a continental South American game kick off at two o'clock in the afternoon. Quite ridiculous. I was slightly hungover from the night before. I wasn't very pleased watching it. Um, I was expecting it to kick off at seven. Got up at one o'clock and looked at the TV schedule and saw that it was on already. Uh, almost, or the preview was on already. Um, it's fair to say that neither of the two legs of the Sudamericana tie were very good to watch. It's quite bizarre. I'm moaning about Lanús Banfield. I'm moaning about Estudiantes against Team Nasia. I'm saying that all the classicals have been rubbish, but in fact we've had a very high proportion of really entertaining matches yeah. <laughs> um, th- this season. I, I, I'm not being down at the league, uh, but the, the two La Plata classicals that we've had so far have both been pretty shit. Uh, there was a nil-nil in El Bosque, which is Gimnasia's stadium, um, which was the two o'clock in the afternoon match, which was awful. And there was a match yesterday, which Estudiantes won 1-0, which means they're through to the, We're on the last 16, is it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, to the last 16 they put their uh, hated city rivals out of a continental cup and it was more than anything uh, the phrase hated rivals it really came to the fore um, it was a 1-0 it was one with a goal from uh, Guido Carricho no no Diego Vera oh well done thank you Diego Vera about three minutes into the second half if I remember correctly uh, we've not got the uh, the scores up in front of us um but it was more remarkable than anything else for a friend of ours, Argent Stats. We don't say friend, I don't, I don't know him personally, but a friend of ours, friend of Hand of Pod on Twitter, uh, Argent Stats, uh, who tweeted after the match that there were 42 fouls committed in the match. The average for a Primera match in the first half is about 10 fouls for a first half Primera game. There were 24 in the first half of yesterday's game. Fair to say that Estudiantes and Gimnasia do not like each other very much. I'm, for the first time in quite some time, quite possibly going to be going out on Saturday afternoon rather than watching that. I might well be invited around to a friend's house for a party, in which case I'm prioritising the party over the 3.15 in the afternoon kickoff between Estudiantes and Gimnasia, because there's every chance it's we, going to be bloody awful. We should look and, 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 and search uh, how many matches in, in between... Estudiantes and Gimnasia in, 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 for, uh, have played for, for international, international caps or, or, or tournaments. because the first two. Yes, because uh, it's not very common or useful, uh, usual to, to, to watch games. I remember, of course... Classicals uh, in the, on the continent. I remember... I actually the, saw someone else yeah. tweeting. Sorry to interrupt, but I know what you're going to say. You're going to say River and Boca. Yeah, um, and I saw somebody else tweeting instances in which one team has knocked out their classical rivals... Uh, in continental competition and it was something like and as a result you know obviously the, the, these were basically lists of every time it's happened effectively because if Racing have knocked Independiente twice out, out twice let's say then that means they've played twice um, it was something like uh, Independiente put Racing out of a couple of Copas Libertadores in the 70s or 80s Boca put River out of the Libertadores in 77 and then in 2000 and 2004 River put Boca out of the Sudamericana one year and that was about it so Estudiantes and Gimnasia had never met in continental competition before Um, and and I was slightly surprised by by how few classicals there there have been although of course they weren't counting the let's say secondary classicals such as River San Lorenzo River Racing and all that kind of stuff there have been more of those uh, I I assume Um, but yeah those those Libertadores the 2004 Libertadores semi was one of the first um, Argentine matches that I remember getting a stream for on the internet um, I came here a few days afterwards I had some, something 
similar to the, the way they are playing now, which is which was with no away supporters. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that one, since we're reminiscing about it, um, is, is the match in which Carlos Tevez picked up the very famous red card for scoring uh, an equaliser on the night to make it 1-1, and what he thought was the winner... Uh, of the tie because Bocker had won the first leg 1-0 and then ran around the pitch the Monumental flapping his wings like a chicken because of course River's uh, demeaning nickname is the Gashinas the Hens um, thinking that he had won the tie and, and Lucho Gonzalez uh, equalised in stoppage time uh, to take it to penalties won the match 2-1 for River and, and uh, equalised the tie 2-2 but of course there were no away goals at that time in the Libertadores so it took it to penalties which Boca Juniors won um, and I came out here a few days later. I was at the next River match and saw them win the, um, the Clausura in that year. Uh, that was the second time I've been to Argentina. So that, that second leg, as I say, was I think the first match that I can remember, first match I can really clearly remember getting an internet stream for. Um, and it was mental. It was a fantastic game. Um, but yeah, Estudiantes versus Gimnasia wasn't quite as, as much of a classic as that one, it has to be said. The number of, of, of fouls made... Uh, of course, is indicates the, the the way that it was played, and and and, and no surprises. It was a lot of nerves. With and yet somehow both teams ended up with eleven men still on the pitch. It, it was most bizarre. Oh, I've just realised Defensive Justicia have scored a second. Sorry, but we're not facing the television as we record, um, or rather Andres is, but I'm sitting between him and the television, so it basically means when we when we turn around, Defensive Justicia now two one up uh, against San Lorenzo, ladies and gents. Um, but yeah, basically the two clubs really don't like each other very much, do they? We're talking about Estudiantes and Gimnasia again now, not San Lorenzo and Defensivo. There was a video that, uh, of course, nowadays you have a lot of videos with, on YouTube that that uh, perhaps uh, some time ago you didn't... I'm just you... going to butt in for a second and apologise again to listeners for that low-level buzzing. I think it's something in the building picking up on the mic. Because oh. it did pick up last week after I thought that you couldn't hear it. Uh, carry on, address. Okay. Uh, now that... Uh, talking about the, the hate, the, the way they hate each other, the, the students on the gimnasia, uh, supporters and the, the, the players also, uh, is translated into into the commentators' hate also, because there was a, a, a I watched a YouTube video uh, last uh, last night or no today sorry in which uh, the, there was a commentator Alberto Raimundi which is of course a supporter of Gimnasia mm. uh, insulting players from Gimnasia from Estudiantes uh, uh, that they, they were stupid that the goal was stupid that they uh, well a lot of things that uh, aren't uh, uh, likely uh, to mention they didn't, I can't mention here they, because they, there were a lot of insults and, and of course that's that uh, what produces is more violence, but that reflects the way they they, they hate each other, of course. Yeah. Yes, and another thing uh, that really is deplorable. This is where I had to put pod, This is where we put our serious hats on and and, uh, and get all stern and start wagging our fingers in the general direction of the microphone. Um, as seems to happen depressingly frequently, uh, is that there are this evening. Uh, or at least, I've, sorry, I saw them this evening. I, it's the first time I've come online all day, um, apart from a brief Twitter session by my tablet earlier. Um, I, I'm reading a report uh, in on the La Nación Sport website. Of, uh, apparently there was a an Estudiantes fan, yes, an Estudiantes fan, stabbed after the game last night. And um, do you know who, who the police suspect did it? Something. A director of Gimnasia. 
not a Barra Brava, a director. Um, bizarre. <laughs> and, and yet depressingly unsurprising um, in the context of things. Uh, there was violence, I think, uh, fairly yesterday as well at some point uh, around over Chicago as well. So this is an ongoing thing um, in Argentine football. And as ever, as we always do, once every few weeks, just a depressing couple of minutes to say, just stop stabbing each other, you stupid yes. bastards. Non, non stopping violence. And the fact is that we don't really know uh, whether the, the Barabravas are, are, are in, in charge of the club or not. Because sometimes... You, you you see Barra Bravas uh, that they they are in charge of the for example parking uh, the, 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 the 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 place where the cars park in the in the stadium previous to the to the to the matches to be played and 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 or, or and, uh, of course they they want a, a sum of money in order to the, the supporters to park the car in the near the stadium and and, and and those kind of things so we don't really know who who are the, the the, the, the ones who manage the clubs. No, and another point to just make that I, I had a chance to read a bit further down the report, which I found while we were recording, uh, whilst Andrew Andres was talking just now. Um, just had a chance to read a little further, and uh, it says that, of course, there weren't any away fans at the stadium last night, uh, which is the main reason, apparently, that the directors are um, involved in the police investigation, because in theory, they were the only people linked with Gimnasia who were in the ground, apart from the coaches and the playing staff. Um, but they, I heard that now the directors are throwing their hands up, saying, "Oh, but there were there were infiltrated fans in the home end and everything," uh, which there probably were. <laughs> but the fact that they're uh, using this as as a way of getting themselves off, rather than as a, as an opportunity to actually investigate this to try and do something more sensible, um, is is another matter. Anyway, I heard that there were more more board members uh, in the stadium than the number that were allowed to go. So, yes, yeah. Uh, in fact, we've, they've quoted one of the directors here as saying. Uh, Let's see, we had a delegation of 50 people uh, between uh, divided up between directors and how would you translate achegados? Relatives. Linked, yeah. Something with people term. related to the club. Yes. Um, there was an episode which, which we didn't like at all. Uh, they they let us, they're implying Estudiantes here, uh, let us uh, sell tickets to non-members. Um, something which, let's see. Oh, something which they don't normally do. Um... Oh no, sorry, they were allowed, so he's not saying who it was, in fact, they were allowed to sell tickets to non-members, which is something that we don't normally do, uh, and that was how there were some fans of Gymnasia who were able to buy tickets. What I can say for certain is that there were 50 uh, of us, but there were 300 in our sector of the stadium. So, in fact... Yeah, he's right, and then he, he goes on to say that there were some people who I knew the faces, but I didn't actually know who they were. Uh, th this was one of the Gymnasia directors, Javier Morroig, Secretary General of Gymnasia. And talking about AFA idiocy, which will, of course, be mentioned a lot of times. Well, it's Conmebol as well, no, stuff again. Yeah. Buenos Aires, provincial police force as well, who uh, have a bit of a reputation in Argentina. I think it's fair to mention, especially during the military dictatorship, yes. but let's, uh, <laughs> we're not comparing eras here. But, but uh, I heard the, uh, or I read, sorry, I read an inter interview made to Luis Segura, the, the current AFA president, saying that uh, he, he said he th thinks that Tinelli is a good candidate in order to, to become president of, of AFA, and that the AFA Plus is a system that is advanced right now in order to be released, that we, released, we will, will be released shortly. 
there will be a try. We don't know the club in which uh, the try will be made. Arsenal. But, oh, well, Arsenal. But, I'm uh, not saying come I'm, on. Well, I'm taking an educated yes. guess there. Uh, AFA Plus, of course, was the ID card scheme, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think, that the AFA had announced. They put it on Twitter and everything. Oh, well, on their, they've got a very bizarre Twitter account, which is AFA TV, um, which is the official Twitter of the Argentine Football Association. I don't know why they've got the word TV after it. I don't know what that means. It's not what their logo because it was. A cha- there, w- there was they a channel, off the TV channel to right? be released by who, ja- uh, Marcelo yeah. Tinelli. And, and, uh, and it, basically, it doesn't really appear to be run by anybody. Um, it, they put out some really quite bizarre stuff and, and they announced, I think, via that uh, a few weeks ago that AFA Plus was basically not going to happen. That it had gone by the wayside. That loads of money has been running. But there's a lot of money tied up. They owe a couple of businesses, Telecom and somebody else, a load of money for investing in this system which was going to be paid back with a percentage of each fan's ticket and which obviously those those clubs uh, those businesses are now never going to see um and yeah and i did notice when the tc cameras were outside the uh arsenal's stadium on sunday night reporting on whether or not the match was going to go ahead i was watching that because it was far better than the tebe publica coverage of the same incident um i noticed that they looked through one of the gates and there was a big afa plus um Kind of uh, what's it called a uh, banner and, and uh, but attached to a turnstile on there. So they've obviously already got the stuff in the stadium, as as have Colon, because uh, they were one of the first people to set it up. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see whether it does happen. But this is a system that we've been talking about putting in place for the last ten years, uh, not necessarily the same name, but you know they first started. But talking you see about that it. the system is is not uh, uh, efficient because if. Board members that are are invited to the match because they are board members kill someone. Resell tickets. And yeah, sorry, yeah, you're quite right. Which doesn't actually appear to be what's happened here, but um, <laughs> you wouldn't put it past people, <laughs> particularly when you have clubs like, say, Vélez Sarsfield, where the president, not the current president, I, th- I think, but the former president, the one before Dennis. the current one, um, was a former Barabara, and he's very proud of the fact Joel's been and sat there and interviewed him in his office and says. He's got a picture of him outside the Azteca in 1986 fighting a bunch of English hooligans and joining in. Um, and he's, he's very open about it. So, you know, you, you don't necessarily put it past some of the people who run the clubs in this country, unfortunately. But Estudiantes versus Gimnasia at the weekend, how do we think that's going to be? I, I think Gimnasia will be very weak in terms of, of the self-esteem. Wait, Having what? lost uh, the only match, as you said, be uh, playing for for uh, an international cup. And We're not mentioning, by the way, that thing that Himnasia did on Monday, prior to the match, because we've got a listener's question about it. So we don't something about it. the the. Don't 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 say it. We'll, we'll uh, okay. we have a listener's question. Our only listener's question so far, because no one sent us any. Uh, if this was live, I would now be pleading with you, but it's not, of course. So it's too late. Um, is is about it. So we're going to save that for the question section. Uh, but the other big matches at the weekend. Um, are uh, we've mentioned that Godoy Cruz and Tigre is going to be a big test for Gustavo Alfaro and see whether he can uh, boost his side again but we've got Boca Juniors visiting Banfield uh, two teams going in very much the opposite direction form-wise Boca have won a few matches I think they're three games undefeated and they've won the last two in a row uh, if we count Racing of course which Mystic Sam is doing at least and Banfield as we said earlier have lost three in a row so that's going to be interesting um, and then we have first versus second or joint second third really on goal difference but who's counting uh, which rather surprisingly is River Plate versus Independiente we're not too surprised I don't think that River are top of the league 
given that they're the champions and that, as we mentioned many times, the point of tedium already this season, they've improved um, from being champions. But Independiente coming into this match third in the table. It's not bad. We have to rec recall the number of matches, three or four matches, in which uh, Independiente turned back the results, uh, that started losing and then they, they, they won just uh, in the last minute or, or, or not, but... Uh, I think it were the last three matches they well or, or the, the the matches they won in a row yeah were all uh, that three. they started losing them and and then yeah you're quite right I, I hadn't actually realised that but yeah you're right um, now Peter last week on Underpod was mentioning how if you look at the teams that Independiente have beaten so far it becomes a little bit less impressive they've not really had a um, a test. I think the highest ranked of them in the current league table are Atletico Rafaela, who are sixth, and the others are down in the lower half of the table. The thing is, you could almost say the same thing about River, because the highest uh, ranked team that River have played so far this season, not just beaten, but played at all, are seventh placed Rosario Central, which means that both of these teams are going to be the hardest opposition that the other team has had so far this season. Independiente, of course, uh, lost to Vélez Sarsfield, who are fourth. Um, but of the teams that they've all beaten, uh, it's tricky. At the same time, as, uh, as you can say that to, as much as anything to try and be fair to Independiente, um, the nature of River's performances really makes them favourites, right? Against Independiente. I mean, Independiente have won a few matches without looking amazingly impressive, coming from behind, showing good resolve, but not necessarily playing wonderful football, whereas River, frankly, have been awesome. Um, e even in beating sides who they should expect to beat they've been beating them much more comfortably uh, than they were doing during the Tornel Final um, with a largely equivalent fixture list as well so far Well but uh, having a situation like this in which you start losing every match and then you end them winning those matches means that you are strong that you are not uh, you, you are not fallen in, in, in with the first goal they, they, they score, you, the first goal that you concede, and you are, are able to 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 transform the, the what what is uh, start starting a match in a poor way to a, a something different and and, and, and defeating the, the other team. So that's perhaps has is more difficult than start start winning and and, and preserve that difference. Uh, so well. Uh, that has also it's uh, uh, something which deserves the winning because uh, no 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 there is no no every team has that ability and that possibility so uh, mm. uh, and, and the same thing that is uh, is told about independiente that they haven't uh, defeat strong strong teams was said about river and and they and, until they they, they won uh, San Lorenzo 3-1 uh, at the Nuova Sometro yeah but even then San Lorenzo are present in the league table not not when they beat them uh, but at present are 16th uh, having basically fallen asleep since winning the Libertadores for a few weeks they, they've won a couple now yes. um, but I think it'll be interesting on both sides 
Um, it, it's going to be an interesting challenge. I, I still think River have to be considered favourites. Um, Independiente now are actually the second top scorers in the league behind River. Um, River have 15 goals and Independiente 13. Um, but of course, five of those Independiente goals came in just this last match against a fairly dreadful Kilmes defence. And the defences, there's no comparison. Independiente have let in 10 goals in seven games. River have let in two goals in six. Um, I think River must be favourites, to be honest. I, I can understand, obviously, I, I sort of want to, to hedge my bets a bit. I'm a naturally cautious person, and as a River fan, I want to sort of say, oh, no, but there's yes. some pressure on Independiente. But really, home advantage in a stadium where they've won 11 league matches in a row, uh, they're on a River, are on a 14-match unbeaten run in just the league. Um I think that they they have to be heavy favorites. Yeah, R- River way of play is, is a play way that and, and this has the, just started. Yeah, is, is, but, but that's, is, that's the other thing because, as I say, Independiente's wins have sort of looked perhaps slightly fortuitous, a lot of guts and a lot of determination, but nothing really dominant. And River have just gone out and after drawing the first match away to Gimnasia with a fairly scrappy performance, have put in nothing but dominant performances since then. Um, so I'm I'm confident. I think of a, of a river victory yes. at the weekend. Uh, as as it's said, usually uh, it's something that sh- it's just starting that the match is, the, the, the the team is is uh, has just played eight matches with uh, of course haven't lost anyone any of those eight matches. I mean, no nine matches. Sorry, six matches for the torneo transition, two for the Copa Argentina. Both drawing and, and winning on penalties, yep. and uh, the one uh, for Copa Sudamericana that lo- that defeat Godoy Cruz last week, uh, sorry two weeks ago. And of course, would have had the other one by the time it gets yes. played. Uh, but uh, in, in the other on the other hand, we have to say that uh, it's not usual to watch or to see a team that with a new coach starts starts playing as the coach wants, just at from the beginning practically, practically. Yeah. so yeah, yeah. that's something to take into account so. it also suggests something mean, we get the occasional question of course about future Argentina managers and do we think Simeone is going to manage Argentina one day and do we think Martino is the right man for the job and blah 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 I think looking further ahead even from when Simeone undoubtedly is going to manage them one day uh, but looking further ahead Gachardo has to be a candidate uh, he's got a very, very, very short managerial career so far. He's had one championship um, managed at Nacional, where he won the title. Um, and now a few matches into his River career, he's showing every sign of being a really good manager. And the point that you make about how it's very rare to, to have the players take on board the manager's message so quickly, I think speaks volumes for how well he is at communicating that message as well. Um, but as we said... Uh, as, I, as I said at, at the beginning of, of that little uh, section, uh, I think that River Independiente is going to be an interesting match because it's going to be a big challenge for both teams. It, it's a big step up in the quality of opponent for, for both yeah. of them, at least in terms of the, the um, results of the opponents. And Miron and, 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 and the, I think the players that have been, have been interviewed this week have been saying that they will try to attack River, so mm. that will make an open and entertaining match, I think. So. Yeah. It, it, it could be a cracker. It's on, for the moment, it's scheduled for half past nine on Sunday night. Um, whether it ends up being played at half past nine on Sunday night is another matter because, as Andres was uh, explaining before we started recording, one of River and Boca always play at half nine on Sunday night, and that team, until now, has generally been the team who are playing away. So if Boca are away to Banfield this weekend and River are at home to Independiente, normally you would expect. 
Banfield versus Boca to be the 9.30 match. Um, and it's not worked out that way this time. And Rodolfo Donofrio, the River president, is rather upset about this and has said that he's going to talk to AFA because he doesn't want to play at half nine. Obviously, it's a lot more fans uh, leaving El Monumental after the match than are going to be leaving Banfield's... It's the Florencio Salah, isn't it, Banfield Stadium? Yes. Yeah? yeah? No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Um, and it means a lot more people take a lot longer to yeah. get home. And each club as well, that's the other thing, looks out for the interest of, of their own fans. Um, wouldn't it be nice if we could just do away with these 9.30 kickoffs? Grandona's gone now. Yeah. Can't the new look after do something about this? It's ridiculous. But uh, we'll see anyway. We'll see what time River versus Independiente ends up kicking off. They're trying to get it moved to 6.15, right? Or to 8. Uh, or to anything apart yeah. from 9.30. No, <laughs> no. I think that uh, Boca also wants to play the later, the better, because they, they will be playing tomorrow against Rosario Central. And three hours is not a lot of time of difference, but they... They will they will play with no sub, uh, supporters anyway, and, and, and playing at nine thirty or six fifteen is the same for them, not mm. for River. And what I heard is that if River uh, complains about the time and and, and and really wants to play six fifteen, that Boca will share the that complaint. Not the Boca won't say, yes, we want to play at nine fifteen, sure. nine thirty. But, but they don't particularly mind yes. playing at night. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens anyway. Uh, if you happen to be in Buenos Aires and have tickets for that match, keep an eye out and open on the news or on my Twitter feed or Hand of Pod's... No, probably, no don't keep an eye on Hand of Pod's Twitter feed because I won't tweet it from Hand of Pod. I'll try and tweet it from mine. Um, and just stay up to date with when that match is going to kick off. Uh, or indeed, if you're planning your Sunday night uh, <laughs> around getting home to watch it on the Football Paratodos YouTube channel. Um, we don't. Other. We don't recommend to be around Nunez nor Banfield if you are here in Argentina. Really? What's wrong with Nunez? If we don't know if we will be playing. Apart from the River yeah. Stadium is in Belgrano, not. And Nunez, there will be a, a like a spring party also, and there will be some around Nunez, and there will be a like a, some. Oh, you're kidding! Traffic. It's on fucking spring day, isn't yeah. it? I've forgotten about that. We need to explain this outburst now because I just swore as well. Um, the 21st of September in Argentina is, of course, the first day of spring because we're in the Southern Hemisphere. Yes. You Northern Hemisphere listeners will be familiar with it as the first day of autumn. The seasons really are reversed here. It's remarkable. Um, and Argentina is a country that's quite big on its holidays and, and its days of things. And uh, the 21st is therefore marked as day of spring, which is also students' day where all of the students across every school and university in the city, in the country, in fact, get the day off. And it's bloody horrible. You can't go to Puerto Madero for a nice stroll in the sun without being absolutely thronging with students. It's, it's hideous. Uh, and they all go out and get drunk at the age of about 15 and then start big fights and somebody ends up going to hospital and some 15-year-old pregnant girl ends up drinking herself into an alcoholic coma. I'm not doing class hatred, by the way. That actually happened two years ago. Um, and it was on the national news. There were chronica cameras being stuck in her face as she was wheeled into the ambulance. But the strange thing about this is that uh, uh, I heard news that in the, at the province, at least, province of Buenos Aires, kids will have their day off also, uh-huh. Friday, which is 19th, Oh, good. And they will have a party. And uh, on the other hand, on Sunday, there will be another spring, spring party because it's the day of the spring, which is 21 of 
September. So they're actually getting a day off near the stadium, near River Plate. Same thing. Oh, one of so the parks. That will that will be so uh, such a, a problem for. So they're getting a day off on Monday in the city. On, on Friday, which is 19th. just on Friday. Yeah, and only in the province, not in the city. I think in the province. Okay. I think. Well, it might actually be tolerable this year then, as long as I don't leave the house at all on Sunday, which I never do anyway because I'm watching football from six o'clock until eleven o'clock. Um, so good, that little insight into Argentine culture for our listeners there. That's what we, we're here for. We aim to please. Uh, we're going to play some more music. Perfectly timed music that now. Is the music. Uh, I'm going to to refill uh, mine and Andres's glasses, and when we get back, shut up. You wanted music. When we get back, if the dog is gone, we will answer our one. So far, listeners' question. I think we've still only had one. Yes, we've still only had one. Um, and uh, following that, we shall conclude the podcast, of course, with, with Mystic Sam. Uh, so don't go anywhere. One listener's question this week, as I as I said already, it is from. <laughs> I've forgotten who it's from. It's from Tom Robinson, uh, and he says, "If you haven't already mentioned it, which we haven't, because as we mentioned earlier, we're doing we deliberately left it for him. What was the Enano Brujo at the La Plata Clásico all about?" Um, Spanish listeners, uh, especially the ones who are already familiar with the story, will already be smirking. Um, for those who don't speak Spanish. Spanish-speaking listeners is what I meant to say, not Spanish listeners. Um, although Spanish listeners will, of course, be Spanish speakers, so the two are partly inclusive. Anyway, um, Enano Brujo is uh, Spanish for uh, dwarf wizard. I'm not sure why they call him a wizard when he's just a priest, but uh, he's certainly a dwarf. Um, Gimnasia have never beaten Estudiantes in the Estadio Único de la Plata. Eleven years ago, the stadium was uh, inaugurated. And they've played numerous classicals. They've even played a couple of friendlies there. There was one for the flood victims uh, last summer. Was it last summer? It was last summer or last winter. Sometime last year, anyway. Yeah. Um, they've never beaten them at all in, in that stadium. Uh, and so, to exorcise the demons of the Estadio Municipal, the Estadio Ciudad de la Plata, um, they employed a, a, a priest to go onto the pitch and to, to exorcise um, the pitch in inverted commas, uh, in the hope that they would be able to win. They, they did this on Monday, and of course the Copa Sudamericana second leg was on Tuesday. Um, do you have any idea why they chose a dwarf priest to do it, Andres? Was it just for added media attention? or If it was that, then it certainly worked. I, I know if they call a number and... and, and, and the guy just happened or, or to go be a to dwarf. A, or, or go to a, a shop or, 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 or just call call for... A dwarf, dwarf priests, and 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 they are there, and, and they have to choose. I really, and I am not esoteric, so was, I don't know. It was quite bizarre. Uh, <laughs> I, I just can't work out what what he would have brought to the table that a, a full size priest wouldn't have done. Whether he charges extra, whether he charges not as much because you don't get as much priest. Um, it was it was strange. But if they were after 
media attention, then they certainly got media attention. Are, are short people considered to be yeah, you particularly have, magically powerful? You have to be short, I think. For as a, as a first, uh, uh, they, to 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 apparently to validate your your priest uh, yeah. power, you have to be a, a short man. Well, you, you could have a sideline here. Yeah, you're you're so, not a tall person. Yes, Peter doesn't know me. It, but, uh, you know. Pedro Trogli doesn't know me, so no. I will. I have to turn up in a robe show next me, time. Show, show myself. In fact, you can turn up in a robe on Friday and, and see but what happens. Because of course, Pe- the, the the fixture is Trulio, in the Stadio Olimpico again. Trulio told last night when the match was was finished and they had already been eliminated by Estudiantes that was a joke and and there's there's people. Well, <laughs> there are people, of course, a joke. But he had to. To tell that because there were a lot of people annoyed because of of, of that, <laughs> and, and and he he did How that. Could anybody be annoyed by? Well, there are people. It's annoyed. very difficult to keep a straight face when discussing uh, comings and goings in Argentine football at times. But there's the uh, our single listener's question. Thank you very much, Tom, for uh, the uh, the dedication that you show in at least getting us one. Over and now, listeners, the next piece of music that you hear is going to be Mystic Sam's theme music. And when I come back, I will tell you uh, what's going to happen in all of the matches this weekend. So don't go away. As we record, um, we still have six minutes to go of San Lorenzo versus Defensa. It was DCA in the Copa Argentina. Defensa was DCA still lead 2-1. Um, the remaining matches before this podcast goes online, of course, as we mentioned already, River Plate will play Godoy Cruz in the Copa Sudamericana. And then on Thursday night, Boca Juniors host Rosario Central in the Copa Sudamericana. The first leg of that one, by the way, finished 1-1. The first leg of Rivers finished 1-0 to River um, in Mendoza. The league matches this weekend are going to go thus. Quilmes versus Lanús on Friday. I think it's going to be a win for Lanús. Estudiantes versus Gimnasia La Plata. I think Estudiantes are going to win against Gimnasia in the Estadio Único for the second time this week. I also very much, as we said earlier, believe that it's going to be a thoroughly horrible game to watch, so don't bother. Olimpo de Bahia Blanca versus Belgrano. I'm going for a draw in that one. Vélez Sarsfield versus Atlético de Rafaela. I think Vélez ought to get back to winning ways there. Godoy Cruz versus Tigre, I think, is going to be all square in Alfaro's first away match. Rosario Central versus Arsenal de Sarandí um, has to be a Central win. Central haven't won in a while. They're not in great form, but Arsenal's away record is pitiful. Um, absolutely terrible, seriously. Um, Banfield. Pa- sorry, if that, if that occurs, will Palermo reach match against River? Yeah, Palermo's under pressure, is he? If he doesn't get the results, we know that the results are. Uh, and even though that the relegation doesn't care, we don't care about relegation in this tournament. Mm. If the results are 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 consistent in terms of defeats, we don't know. Palermo has a problem with the way matches. Uh, Arsenal have played 13 I think um, away games so far in 2014 they've won one of them 
they've they lost seven of them during the Copa uh, Copa no during the Tonel Final and they've lost all three of them so far during the Tonel Transition. Uh, Banfield versus Boca Juniors. I'm going for a draw in that one. Um, I think Banfield are going to be quite determined to. Uh, to not lose again they've lost the last three games all 1-0 of course um, and Boca haven't entirely convinced yet under Aurora Valerena the performances have improved the results have improved but they've still got a way to go before they've finished article River versus Independiente I'm going for a River Plate victory um, in that one Defensa Justicia versus San Lorenzo I'm going to go for a I'm going to go for a draw I think they're, they're still leading 2-1 um, but I think I'm going to go for a, an improved performance from San Lorenzo um, in that one compared with the one they're currently making. Making? Yeah, that'll do. Producing, that's better. Uh, Racing versus Newell's Old Boys on Monday um, is... <laughs> I'm, I'm going for a Newell's win. An away win to end the round, um, mostly because Racing are bloody awful at the moment. Um... Any thoughts, Andres? No, there, there are some matches which are very, quite difficult to predict, and 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 lot of several teams in which you you said uh, that they were going, they were going to lose, are, are really awful. But football, Argentine football is changing, and and I think Racing won't lose against News. I would say they will draw, but of course, uh, uh, Racing is. Their supporters are are, are uh, they they are very. Uh, they, they don't they don't stand. Uh, they 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 don't want Coca to say that they want to that they they want that he wants to to fight, claim uh, fight for the title, and and if they lose but against the Independiente, but they fight for the title, that's yeah, wrong. Exactly. If they lose too much, it's so wrong. Like supporters are very, how do you say when you don't, you can't stand anything? You are like uh, intolerant and In, uh, intolerant. Intol- well, intolerant. Yeah. Uh, you just take the A off. Um, and, and that's very very bad for Racing that they are all it's, supporters. It, it's very bad for all of the big clubs here, and it's something that, yes. that they've all uh, fallen victim to at various points over the last decade or so since the hierarchy of the big five started to crumble. Um, you know, it takes strong directorship and, and, and far-sighted directorship, I think, to overcome it, which is something that we've repeatedly said during almost four years of Hand of Pod. Supporters, supporters saying that they won't Coca anymore because he said that they he wants to fight for the title. Of course. <laughs> you say that you would lose against Independiente if you... Fight for the title, of course. It's not uh, good to to hear, but you don't want him anymore because of that. That's absolutely strong. Um, River, sorry, as I was saying, uh, under the previous directorships, not just Passarella, but the bloke before him as well, who shall not be named uh, by River fans, at least Aguilar. Could have fallen victim to the same thing as well, you know, and it, it speaks volumes for how. Uh, what a difference that the directors can make uh, to an institution. But you're quite right, what Racing need is almost a director who can come in and stand up to the fans and say, look, stop being nonsensical. Yeah. <laughs> we want to try and build something for the future here. And also, to an extent, tell the manager not to say stupid stuff like that right before a classic, which just adds pressure to the team and 
and uh, you know it's not going to please some some sections of the fan base. Um, anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening again, listeners. We're getting shorter each week. This one's going to come in at I think about an hour and ten minutes. Uh, it's remarkable. It's almost as if we're organised, except the real reason this week is probably just number, the, number just of, the two of us. Number of participants, it's, uh, I think it's... Yes. Next week, minutes. maybe I'll just record on my own, and we'll have a ten minute long podcast, and it'll be very boring. I'll try not to do that. It might just be ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, asking, asking question and, uh, questions and answering them, it's not very very funny. No. No, it, it would be. It's very much at least a two-man show, I think, under pod. It needs to be. Um, but thank you very much, uh, listeners, for listening. Continue, please, to spread the word. Uh, this is going to be a relatively short episode, by our standards, <laughs> I stress. Uh, so please, if you ever want to recommend us to friends, then this week is the week to do it, please. For those who don't speak... Uh, Spanish dog language that is uh, my neighbour's dogs saying goodbye and thank you for listening they're saying it very enthusiastically uh, Andres is going to say it now as well goodbye, I won't bark but I say goodbye uh, and I'm not going to bark either I used to get annoyed with them but now I just find them funny to be honest, especially when they've been relatively quiet this week <laughs> spoke too soon uh, thank you very much for listening everybody Please enjoy the weekend's football and come back next week. Mm-hmm.